0: Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast, we invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region.
1: Shalom and welcome to Editor's Note. I'm Yeo Pinto, and together with me, as always, is TV7 Editor-in-Chief, Jonathan Hassan. How are you doing?
0: Praise God, doing well. How about yourself?
1: I'm uh, doing great. It's good to be here. Wonderful. And thank you for joining me, our viewers, back at home. I would like uh, to ask you to join me in prayer, that God will uh, be with us and bless this program. Our Father in Heaven, thank you for being uh, loyal and uh, good to us, and thank you for loving us. We ask you to join us today for this uh, show. We ask you to bless um, the words that come out of our mouths, and that um, you will really touch the hearts of our viewers. We ask you to be informative, to be uh, speaking the truth, give us the wisdom to do so. In Jesus' name, Hashem Yeshua HaMashiach, Amen. And Jonathan last program a few of our viewers asked us to elaborate more about uh, What's going on in Israel in terms of the chariots of fire the multi-sector? War drill that uh, the IDF amongst uh, together with other armies are participating in Israel basically preparing Israel to an all-out war with multiple fronts and this is really interesting and it's very also hard to just to grasp the the magnitude of this uh, drill. So maybe you can explain a little bit about that and also share with the viewers what do you think are the key issues of, uh, of this week.
0: Indeed. Well, Chariots of Fire, obviously, is the name of the drill. Actually, before uh, it was uh, granted this name, uh, people refer to it as the month of war. So it is really? a, a month of preparations, Chodesh Milchama, Uh, months of preparation and and, uh, training and coordinating and and teaching all of the facets, both military and civilian, Mm -hmm. uh, to cooperate together, to coordinate together uh, in in multiple levels, and multiple dimensions within that uh, context, in order to prepare for a moment where an all-out war is forced upon Israel. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is no war of choice in this situation. The destruction uh, we heard last week uh, at Reichmann University, Israeli Defense Minister Benny Gantz speaking about uh, the fact that wars, doesn't matter how your QME or qualitative military edge uh, exceeds your enemies, still there is devastation, still there is uh, uh, a, a clear challenge when you work within a certain framework uh, that uh, or operate within a framework uh, within the aspects of of international conventions and and rules of engagement and uh, uh, understanding that you want to avoid collateral damage. You don't want Mm -hmm. to harm civilians. The civilians are not your enemies. Um, We're dealing here with regimes. We're dealing here with um, organizations, with militant groups that are not necessarily as popular as people think, even though they are popular in certain areas. Uh, So We need to take all of this in context because the moment we realize that this is one element and the other element is uh, organizations and and regimes that do not abide by international um, rules of engagement, the Geneva Convention again and all those, uh, it is a parallel situation, a parallel world, if you will, where Israel is going to be accused of many Yes, crimes quote, against unquote. humanity
1: and stuff like that.
0: As uh, usually is the case, of course all those uh, crying out and, and driving this narrative and investing in this narrative very strongly are those same enemies that employ um, uh, quite the, the radical agendas uh, with malicious intent. Um,
1: yeah, we know that uh, Hezbollah is always threatening to fire missiles, Towards uh, Haifa, where we have these the plants of chemicals and stuff like that, that will basically cause a humanitarian catastrophe for Israel, and then they will go. I mean, if after a war and blame us for humanitarian crimes against humanity and stuff like that. But we know that uh, that the armies, especially the IDF, is either preparing for war or in. War. These are the two states that the army... Every army. Yes. Indeed. So that's the, the purpose of this arm. But this seems like a bigger scale, larger scale uh, maneuver. Is there a reason for that? Should we, you know, be concerned that there is a war really at our doorsteps?
0: Well, the, you know, when when uh, you ask a person or any individual uh, whether there's going to be war there are always indications to mm-hmm. war. Um, whether or not this is something that uh, occurs at a point in time, you know, uh, when I speak to um, generals and, and top brass officials, um, and sometimes I ask those kind of hypotheticals or. Mm-hmm. or Uh, Concrete questions point-blank about things that I know that are classified beyond what I have access to They always say uh, the same sentence and everybody says the same and when uh, you're inside the the institutions and so on you have that same terminology and that is I wouldn't tell you if I knew and uh, Even though I don't know I probably don't know, you know. It's, it's uh, a reality that I, I wouldn't try and speculate on this yeah, matter. Yeah, so yeah. It, it is a, a question that whoever tells you there's going to be war this and this hour, this and this mm-hmm. date, well, unfortunately or thankfully, actually, um, those people have no clue what they're talking about because if they knew, they wouldn't speak about it. You know, so this is a complex reality. Uh, That's why I always cautious many people who ask me those questions. um, Nobody knows when exactly except for the people in the know. Yes. It's kind of like a a
1: James Bond uh, movie that uh, if I'll tell you, I'll have to kill you kind of... uh, Thing. So it's a classified.
0: Well, no, not necessarily, you know, there are no extraditional killings here <laughs> of those sorts uh, if uh, You find out we'll have to change all of our plans. Yeah,
1: yeah, of that's course. a different it, story,
0: it, you know, but uh, the point of the matter is mm-hmm. there are um, realities uh, or, or Situations where you see that everything falls in place. Okay, so uh, Countries including Israel uh, and, and Western countries and Eastern countries for that matter uh, usually engage in war when there are a few parameters mm-hmm. that uh, Established a foundation to launch a war and war is a tool in order to fulfill specific interests security national security interests and, and other interests of a state sometimes indeed uh, as part of those interests it is the prime interest ultimately protection of sovereignty protection of of, uh, uh, the the livelihoods of the people and and ultimately uh, Security related matters are always intertwined with other interests So you need to look at it from a sometimes realpolitik aspect, you know with regard to uh, the country's around Israel, uh, particularly uh, in Lebanon when we're talking about Hezbollah, or Syria, or Iran for that matter. Um, German Chancellor, uh, or the late German Chancellor Otto von Bismarck, who um, was the, the Chancellor during the Second Reich, okay, when he defeated France in an overwhelming manner. Um, He always said, you know, first of all, a great European war is going to come out out of something stupid that's going to happen in the Baltics. That's a famous uh, saying (laughs) that, unfortunately, we're seeing right now Yeah, uh, becoming a reality. Um, Even though it's more in a strategic competition element, but that's a different story. And then another point he said was when we're talking about war, when war erupts, all treaties and agreements are thrown out of the window. We need to keep that in mind. Uh, Wars are a messy um, engagement. Uh, There are no true victors in war, especially not in the 21st century. Uh, So we need to take everything in a grain of salt. Now, when we're talking about military maneuvers, such as chariots of fire, which is unprecedented in scale. Mm -hmm. Um, There are unprecedented activities that took place. We spoke about it in TV7 Israel News last week, uh, where we spoke specifically about the fact that for the first time uh, in history, uh, the um, commander, Singh Central, the the chief of staff of of Central Command, uh, General Mm Kurila, who came to Israel and met with his, uh, or not Israeli counterpart, but with the chief of general staff and and other um, top brass officers from the Israeli military, he was granted access to observe the chariots of fire um, exercise from the command and control um, room in uh, the underground bunker, which is top... uh, top-classified, usually generals or or any foreign um, individuals are not allowed into their... This is really a
1: show of of our relationship with the United States. This
0: this shows the degree to which Israel um, is interoperable with the United States, is fully coordinated with the United States, and um, that a CMT, a credible military threat, is being signaled towards the Iranians of you may have advanced significantly with your nuclear program. You may uh, be working tirelessly to establish infrastructure throughout the, milita- uh, throughout the Middle East, militarily speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, we are fully coordinated. We know what you're doing. We're understanding the circumstances of current realities and we're going to confront you. and. Uh, the day after Kurilla actually was here, or actually while he was here, Defense Minister Benny Gantz, of course, traveled to Washington, mm-hmm. met with Jake Sullivan, met the day after on Thursday with uh, um, Lloyd Austin, obviously a former CENTCOM commander who understands quite keenly the situation in the Middle East, the uh, chief of the Joint Staffs in the United States, also a former commander of CENTCOM, Many of the military brass and defense establishment in the United States understand the Middle East. Mm -hmm. There is a disconnect between the Pentagon and um, specifically the White House when we're talking about uh, the understandings, our political interests, our uh, Mm -hmm. military considerations, but those considerations uh, by the military and the defense establishment in America uh, do not always intertwine with political considerations. Of Mm -hmm. course, midterm elections in the United States are just around the corner with uh, the Biden administration really uh, at its lowest. um, uh, Mm -hmm. I think it was 39% according to the last polls uh, conducted about uh, the situation of uh, uh, the US president, Mm -hmm. Joe Biden, it does show a certain shift. People are unhappy with him. But, uh, you know, the inflation, uh, the the various challenges at hand, which are impacting everyone, also here in Israel, Um, things are going to get more challenging. Now, when we're talking about chariots of fire, you know, in the last program, um, when we came out of of, uh, the studio, you asked me, okay, in in most cases, do military maneuvers um, lead to war? Mm -hmm and um, it was the other way around. Most wars
1: start with with
0: significant military maneuvers. So again, as we explained last time, when we have a military maneuver, the military and the public, to a certain degree, even though to a lesser degree, are in a state of understanding that war could occur, Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, everybody are preparing, are understanding Get into that mindset. There are different uh, operations taking place in conjunction with uh, this uh, uh, maneuver. But again, it's so unprecedented on so many levels. Uh, they're preparing Israeli troops. Uh, you know, they're they're landing paratroopers in Cyprus
1: wow. to
0: maneuver yeah. in unknown terrains uh, to try and depict a, various scenarios of mm-hmm. combat uh, vis-à-vis Hezbollah. Uh, there are uh, surface-to-air exercises. Juniper Cobra is occurring mm-hmm. as part of that, again, U.S.-Israel <laughs> um, joint said, maneuver.
1: We said that uh, in the last program that uh, the troops are being you know, placed on, near the borders and, of Israel and the borders with Lebanon and Syria, and that raises the level of alert... For our neighbors, for Syria, for Lebanon, do we see them mobilizing troops as well?
0: They mobilize uh, in a defensive posture. So mm-hmm. you, you can see that, uh, of course, I don't have access to um, uh, the concrete intelligence mm-hmm. on this. But in past occurrences, when I was uh, um, in the know on, on that aspect, you could see them really posture up on a defensive uh Aspect, they used to pull back to certain lines where they know that friction uh, diminishes because if Israel, again, it it only has one decision in the security cabinet to then translate uh, the maneuver into an all out war or Mm -hmm. a um, very robust maneuver, which then would catch the enemies by surprise with the force that the uh, Uh, Israeli military, the IDF, has in store, the tools at its disposal are substantially more qualitative than uh, the other.
1: And now they're all there, all the, like, the massive amount of the reserves around the borders, all the equipment, uh, the tanks, the technical stuff. So it's very easy to turn this drill into an offensive or whatever.
0: And as I said, you know in tandem to the, the chariots of fire, there is Waste Breaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is uh, Mabam, which is the Milchama Ben HaMilchamot, excuse me. Um, ha-milchamot, the campaign between the wars, yes. which uh, Israel basically proactively engages the enemy throughout the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, within enemy states, behind enemy lines, everywhere it needs to, in order to diminish its abilities to to entrench militarily even further, you know, including in Syria. We saw uh, on the 13th uh, of uh, this month uh, the un- uh, unidentified aircraft uh, launch multiple missiles uh, in three waves on multiple targets, including infrastructure uh, that uh, develops precision-guided missiles? Take statistical missiles, which mm-hmm. the statistical missiles basically you shoot in a direction and there is a yeah. one kilometer yeah. a radius, it hit, yes. somewhere it will hit. And then you have precision-guided munitions that can target between five to ten uh, uh, meters from mm-hmm. the target you intend. Of course, uh, there are those who can pinpoint exactly where you want. Uh, the more advanced those precision-guided munitions are the more pinpointed they are, so the less also collateral damage you can incur. But on the other hand, it also allows the enemy to rain heavy fire specifically, not only on uh, general directions, but on strategic assets. Mm -hmm. So such a scenario, what would then happen is that uh, the aerial defense array would have to focus initially on any projectile that is fired in the direction of strategic assets and uh, would then leave the home front vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So the fortification of the north, which we speak about from time to time, also in the defense minister Mm -hmm. uh, and a minister in the defense ministry uh, who works specifically on this are working to fortify the north of Israel uh, to prepare for an all out conflict that would inevitably be triggered uh, according to those circumstances. And and, and
1: by fortifying, even by by walls, by underground barriers, by anti-missile defense systems, everything.
0: A lot of technology. Mm -hmm. A lot of technology. Obviously, also um, low-tech, which uh, utilizes... uh, Like
1: a concrete war... On uh, our surrounding communities that are very close well, We don't to need the to board. go
0: into the details of, of everything, but there is a lot being done in order to um, ensure that the population, first and foremost, is uh, protected, mm-hmm. um, and that in such a scenario, you know, when when the military, especially like the IDF, which is uh, we call it the, uh, the military of the people. Mm-hmm. Why? Because there is conscription. Everybody goes to yeah. serve in the military, uh, the majority of which are not fighters, okay? The, but, um, and also within the fighters, there is then uh, those who are utilized only for times of war and during times of peace, they train and act in batash, um, yeah, bitachon uh, routine, uh, routine security. security. But ultimately, when we look at all of the circumstances at this stage, Israel is is training specifically. Uh, you know, when I was in the army, uh, the focus of the army was Syria. Uh, and we trained against Syrian snipers, against Syrian troops mm-hmm. in all, many of our maneuvers. Uh, when you came in, it, there was the transition to Hezbollah, the, the Lebanese arena much more, yeah. because of the Second Lebanon War. Um, and then after that, slowly, slowly, there is more understanding of not only training against Hezbollah, but training against Iranian troops, against RGC, Syria, yeah. Quds Force and so on. Um,
1: no, it's always changing. We started uh, from the tanks, of course, so we started by training against other tanks. Right. Then it changed right. into uh, training against the anti-tank missiles. And How do you find these? And then, you know, uh,
0: again, a combination. We don't I- need to go into details, but it is a, a uh, robust understanding of what are the threats right now, what are the weapons that mm-hmm. are utilized against me, and what do I need to do, first and foremost, to protect myself, but also uh, to have the tools and the capacity to complete the missions that I'm tasked with. Yeah. So there, there is an ongoing study. Many research institutes, many um, organizations, both institutionalized and independent, are working to identify this and to provide then the defense establishment and the political leadership, which since 76 is in charge of the mm-hmm. military under the, the law of the defense minister, um, in Israel at least, the the chief of, of the military, so to speak, like the chief uh, in America is the president, yes. in Israel it's the defense minister. So the defense minister has uh, much more leeway. Of course, the prime minister is the first amongst equals and he is the superior of the defense minister, so there is complete coordination in so cooperation, in or not complete, but in most cases, there is cooperation and coordination between the two. Uh, and that's why also at times you see that the defense minister and prime minister, like Itzhak Rabin, for instance, uh, the late Yitzhak Rabin was both... Um, defense minister and prime, and prime minister, minister mm-hmm. for a an extensive period of time. Uh, prime Minister Netanyahu was as such. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, prime Minister Shamil was uh, for a very brief uh, period, but just several months. Anyway, uh, there were multiple uh, eras of, of this uh, capacity to allow the prime minister to maneuver also as defense minister. Mm-hmm. I personally think it's wrong because you need to have mm-hmm. more... Brain capacity and, and yeah, the each, ability to yeah, each, challenge one each another. Each position
1: is very, you know, demanding. So and having hey. both positions at the same time is very very difficult, can be uh, not useful.
0: But within the defense mm-hmm. establishment and the security cabinet, you also have the small group, which is usually between three and four people who have qu- uh, robust... Um, Clearance rights. information? Well, no,
1: decision-making no. abilities? When it comes to
0: decision-making, okay. they have the, the capability to take very significant decisions mm-hmm. that then can be implemented, but for war, obviously, you need the whole security cabinet to deliberate that.
1: I would like to, to ask a questions regarding the Waves Breaker, um, you know, We
0: operation. don't have very much time left. Yeah, off, I know.
1: So, so is, it, is it coming to an end? Is it fruitful? Are we...
0: It's very successful uh, from what I, I see. Um, Janine, Nablus, all those um, areas have uh, been very challenging. You know, the Palestinian Authority, for all of its critique of Israel, mm-hmm. is co- coordinating with Israel fully when it comes to Janine and all those areas because it lost control over those areas. Yeah, that's
1: always uh, very um, interesting. To so it's about. very
0: ironic what they say to their people and what they say to the the world and what they say to Israel are three different things. They're very um, smart in their handling of things Mm -hmm. because they see Israel as a partner and as an enemy. At the same time. At the same time. Because
1: they needed to survive. Correct. And they want also to take So it. there
0: are also power struggles within the Palestinian um, leaderships uh, from Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, uh, and the Palestinian the Authority. authority. Right. Within the Palestinian Authority, of course, Mahmoud Abbas is very old. Mm-hmm. Who is the next person to lead that? that was uh, an interesting
1: question, yeah. It's
0: it's a very interesting question. And therefore, you see also the, lo- the disloyal elements. If we look at, um, you know, Al-Qaeda, for instance, mm-hmm. When you saw um, Bin Laden who, who acted, you know, he was uh, Egyptian, worked very hard on, on specifics uh, oh. to combat the West. And when he was um, uh, killed, there was a power struggle between his deputies. Mm-hmm. One of them, obviously, uh, Adha Wahiri was uh, elected by him came from Egypt, but the one territory that was disloyal and known for its disloyalty um, was Iraq. And who was the leader of those in Iraq? Uh, that was Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Okay, they
1: started the Islamic You know, Islamic State. who started the Islamic mm-hmm. State
0: at the expense of Al-Qaeda, and they started yes. fighting each other. So they weren't friends. And uh, there was a lot of power struggle within that context. Same goes for the yes. Palestinian territories. There was a power struggle ongoing. They have different patrons. Um, different tribes, It's uh, different families. Well, not necessarily different tribes. There are different tribes, mm-hmm. but uh, different families. Each family has its own orientation, its own interests. Within families, sometimes you have uh, family politics as,
1: as any other family. Any other yeah. family.
0: But it's, it's quite interesting uh, to see that.
1: Jonathan, could you please give our viewers a few prayer points on this situation?
0: Well, we have 30 seconds, so I'll do it quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Pray for the situation, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as it calls us to do so uh, in Psalm 122. Uh, but beyond everything, also pray that uh, God will guide and lead our leaders, mm-hmm. uh, your respective leaders at home as well. Uh, you know, uh, Our leaders need God's guidance. it's as simple as that. And and pray also for our operations here. We're Mm -hmm. uh, working hard to sustain uh, the operations. Obviously, we're a donation-based organization. So if uh, God puts on the hearts Mm -hmm. of our viewers to support uh, this mission, uh, this would help us uh, sustain everything that we are. So, uh, yeah, that would be it right now.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. And thank you to our viewers. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Editor's Note.
0: Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.